Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome to the June 19th edition of the PFF Forecast. We have got, uh, we're continuing our series of one thing we like about every team in the NFL. It went decently well, I would say, uh, on Wednesday. Most of it was really positive. It'll be, again, mostly really positive. We're going to do the AFC West and the AFC East, which um, means that Eric will have to move uh, through talking about Kansas City and has to say something positive. I don't know if he'll be able to do it. We also have an incredible story from uh, the father himself. Happy Father's Day to Eric Eager. And he has a great story um, about being on customer service as any dad uh, would do. So it's going to be a great podcast. Let's rock. So I, I got we got on the Zoom call this morning, and um, it's obviously Father's Day. I wanted to know what your Father's Day was going to look like. And the first thing that you mentioned was probably the most I'm, I'm a dad uh, uh, thing that I've heard you say in a while, which was, well, I'm sitting on, on customer service right now. And I was like, for what? Like lawnmower equipment? But no, this is Eric Eager I'm talking to. So it's obviously with a sports book. Yeah, I mean, so uh, actually, it's actually a pretty like good. So I had a decent. I've had a, a decent weekend in chronicling the um, the state of American sports betting. Um, okay. Wow. So it's a bold uh, as you know, Friday after work, um, I met up with our colleague Ben Brown, who lives mm-hmm. in Iowa. We met like like probably two miles. I don't even know what the town's called, honestly. Two miles like south of the Minnesota border in Iowa. At a at a casino called Diamond Joe's, which I always used to drive by when I drove oh my God. from Minneapolis, you know, St. Paul, Minneapolis mm-hmm. to Lincoln. I used to go th- down through Des Moines and stuff. So I always used to look at Diamond Joe's, and I always used to be like, oh, that's kind of interesting, like an interesting setup there. And then of course Iowa. The joke was always like, I, I actually texted my buddy and I go, wait a sec, Iowa got gay marriage and sports betting before Minnesota. And he texts me back and he goes, yeah, if Iowa got a pro football team, Minnesota would want one too. And I, and I was like, and so I was, I, and, and so Iowa's got sports betting. And so I go in there and it was really cool. Like there was a, a nice setup, you know, they had individual chairs where you could like plug in your, your laptop and all that kind of stuff. And there were TVs everywhere. Um, our friend Courtney Cronin was on uh, around the horn. And then there was a, there was a VSIN, uh, station that was on and the funny thing was i think both of us made it onto like a commercial onto that beeson like mm-hmm. tv like from mm-hmm. our appearances there so it was kind of it was kind of funny it was interesting though because it was a FanDuel run sports book i actually i actually uh TikToked out like a bet i made on the Look washington commanders which will which will be funny um but but it wasn't as like the, the offerings are not nearly as expansive like there are places where FanDuel is available that you can bet on like WNBA player props and like mm. you can't bet on them in Iowa. So like even like the state of sports betting is still like very incomplete. And like to kind of discuss that, like I get back and last night I'm as one does, I'm watching some CFL late, right? So of they course. have like the nine thirty or ten thirty Eastern game on or whatever. And uh and I and I'm I have like a small thing on a teaser in the game. So I'm actually watching it. And and the the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are like 
you know, they, they keep like getting offered these numbers and they were behind for a little bit. So I kept betting them live. So I bet them like minus three and a half, minus six and a half, minus seven and a half, minus eight and a half, minus mm-hmm. nine and a half. And wow. they get like an interception at the end of the game, kick a field goal, win by 10. Okay. And so all the bets are supposed to win. And it's not for a, a significant, it's like 150 bucks. So it's almost, it's nothing. I'm just like goofing off betting uh, CFL games on a Saturday night. And I look at my account and they're all canceled. And I'm like, <laughs> I do remember during the game once they had the score like wrong for like two seconds, right? Mm-hmm. And so apparently like that to me probably was the reason they canceled literally every live bet that was ever made on the game. But so I, I go to customer service and I go, hey, like this is not right. And they they first like first pass just said, well, sir, uh, you made a bet of such and such minus eight and a half and it pushed. That's why I got canceled. I'm like, well, no you can't push minus eight and a half. So this is fucking ridiculous. And if you don't, and I, and I basically was like, that was the response. The that, response that, that, it was, was a it can, it was a very canned response because you can imagine the number of people yes. who bet who don't know anything. Right. right. So then they're like, why did this get canceled? And they're like, well, sir, it pushed. And it's like, so that probably was like result number a result letter a. Mm-hmm. And then, so I, I kept, I'm like, sir, I'm like, Miss, if you do not resolve this, I'm going to take a picture of this and and tweet it out. And like, cause this is fucking ridiculous. And so then they go through the channels. They're like, they send me an email late at night saying basically like, well, the reason your bets got canceled is cause they're past posted. And for those that don't know about betting, like past posting is basically like the games. And this happens sometimes the game starts and the sports book forgets to take down a line and you can bet into it knowing what you like the first few results of the game. And obviously you can have an edge based upon mm-hmm. that and they'll cancel that. I think it's a very reasonable way to cancel, even though they make a mistake. And like, honestly, you know, the better if like I entered a number into like my live model wrong and then bet it. And then like I go to the sports book and be like, sir, this is a very reasonable mistake. Can you cancel my bet? They'd be like, fuck you. Even mm-hmm. though I get... I'm getting, I'm laying minus 110, and in the case of live lines, minus 115, and they're getting that, you know. And and so I'm like, this is easily verifiable. There are timestamps to these bets. This game, this is a live bet. The game was going on while I made this bet, so this is clearly wrong. So I'm currently on customer service here. Hopefully they resolve it. I mean, again, like I said, it's not that much money, but it's like the principle of the whole thing is fucking ridiculous. Like, how, how... Again, you're getting the best of it if you're the sports book. You're getting minus 115. And you also, the, the thing about live betting that triggers me so much is these sports books, if the situation moves in their direction, they can take your bet. And if the situation moves in the wrong direction, they they have people, they, they're literally live living the game while you're watching it on a stream. So, mm-hmm. like, if you bet a live game, you know either, like, if you're 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 worse than flipping coins unless you think unless you think you have an edge, the the sportsbook should say take every single live bet because they have everything uh, to their right. advantage here and and so um, it, it's disappointing. Obviously, like it's offshore, so like there's no regulation other than like public shaming. So like you know that that's you know where we're at here, and I'm glad that it was a it was sort of like my fun money and not my actual bankroll. But like it's kind of sad. Uh, I'm glad that you have enough. Do you have enough Twitter followers? I guess is the question for you to publicly shame them. That's what we're going to find out because you know what they're doing. You, they sent, you sent that thing. You're you and like every other person on Twitter that has any kind of following who's Mm -hmm. been mistreated has sent this, this message to customer service and it will be a test of whether they believe, uh, you have that kind of pull. So I'm excited to hear about whether they think Eric eager is a, uh, is someone to be messed with on on social media um okay uh while we pray for you on this day to get your 150 dollars back um let's jump into the afc west let's get the afc west kind of out of the way here first what we're doing for anyone that is new here is each uh, off season we get um positive about every single team we will talk uh we'll say one positive thing one thing we'd like about every team and then if there are bets that we like um, we'll call those out too but this is more uh you know to kind of talk through what has happened in the offseason what we like about these teams it's going to be harder to bet you know to find bets that you like here during the offseason um because you're tying your money up for a long time but if there are ones that we like we'll call those out um as well all right let's uh get into the afc west here and so uh it's going to be one thing 
that we like about every team. Again, this is going to be Herculean for Eric. We're going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs. I don't know if you'll be able to find something that he likes about the Chiefs going into this season. It's going to be a true test of you as a football analyst. Um, and by the way, we're, we, uh, you started on this, and longtime member of the syndicate, your parents' dog, was so just hated so much that you were talking about the Chiefs that started making a scene. So we're re-recording this for the second, this is the second time we're recording this. Hopefully there are no other animals that uh, hate your football takes. The Kansas City Chiefs, one thing you like. Yeah, so there's like an underrated aspect to all of these, right? So um, I like what the Chiefs did in the secondary during the draft. I think it's underrated um, right now. Obviously trading up for McDuffie, you don't like that from a mathematical standpoint. They put a lot of eggs in that basket. Um, but I also like spreading the risk out a little bit. So Brian Cook, um, you know, was taken with the day two pick, um, safety from Cincinnati, a guy. So now, you know, the Chiefs have always been a three safety system. You know, it was, was Sorensen, uh, Thornhill, and and Matthew. Uh, now it's it's Matthew it, it, Matthew gone. So it's it's uh, Thornhill, Eric Reed, and now Brian Cook, which is which is great. Um, uh, Justin Reed, sorry, Eric Reed's brother. Um, and, and then they also went in the fourth round, got Joshua Williams, a really tall cornerback from Fayetteville, Jalen Watson from Wazoo, and Nazi Johnson from Marshall. I think when you look at that team, it was starting to become extremely thin in the secondary. They lost Trevarius Ward to your 49ers mm -hmm. uh, as well. Uh, and there were just injuries, you know, like Rashad Benton missed time last year. Uh, Mike Hughes had to play in that Buffalo game. Uh, you know, I got torched by Gabriel Davis a few times. So, I think that the underrated part for them is how they address the secondary. I still have concerns for them about the front four, but I think the secondary was a good approach. Yeah, and you could make an argument that, um, you know, one of the things you've got to like about the Chiefs are the young players that they've brought in. And that's the thing I like most about, uh, about the Chiefs. I think there are a couple of things to mention here the first is you look at the division odds right now chiefs are plus 175 chargers are plus 225 broncos plus 250 and the raiders are plus 650. you know there's this kind of um this thing that i like about the chiefs this year which is there's a narrative around well it's, it's a true narrative around how good the rest of the division is but there's also this um i think chip on mahomes shoulder that should be there which is tyreek hill has gone and he's, you know, letting everyone know how he felt about Mahomes and the Chiefs. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous to talk about, you know, Tua throwing the deep ball better than Patrick Mahomes. It's just incredible content. And then there's this influx of young talent, as opposed to what we've seen in the past from the Chiefs, which is like, hey, let's go overspend on every veteran we can find. Here at least, you know, and you talked about the McDuffie thing, which is an overspend for the trade-up. But going and investing in young talent, and I look at Karloftis, who was number three in our, uh, uh, on, on our uh, edge defender rankings, going at, at pick number 30. And then my favorite pick that the Chiefs actually made, which was Sky Moore, and getting rid of Tyreek Hill, picking up more capital, and then drafting young players who can come in and kind of hop on the Mahomes has a chip on his shoulder bandwagon. I love that. And so that's something that, you know, as you look at this team and you could have made a case, well, gosh, how do they re-rack? You know, they've invested all this money in a lot of these older players. You've got Frank Clark, you've got Chris Jones, you had Tyron Matthew. And it's like, that's great. You won a Super Bowl with that. But how do you win the next Super Bowl? And to me, they're starting to build that, that foundation. Um, so I don't know if I picked one thing here. If I had to pick one thing, it's that Mahomes has a chip on his shoulder because Tyreek Hill's going on podcast saying that to it, Tua throws a better deep ball than Patrick Mahomes. And that might be the most disrespectful thing anyone said all offseason. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I like, what do you think about the Tyreek Hill thing with, with Tua? It's like, you, you know, you do want to, like, defend your quarterback. But I, I remember distinctly when uh, Randy Moss was traded to Oakland and, and he was like, Kerry Collins is a better quarterback than Dante Culpepper. Mm -hmm. And you're like, Jesus Christ, man. Dante just threw for 39 touchdowns and 4,700 yards. Like, but you start, You don't want to really want to be like, oh, I downgraded that quarterback. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, um, you know, that that's a. Are you asking? Are you asking me if I'm Tyreek Hill? What do I? Well, well, what would you have said? The first thing is that we have to realize is that it, this was Tyreek Hill's podcast. 
So Tyreek Hill got on this podcast wanting to say this, right? This wasn't him like getting caught on, you know, Good Morning America. And they were like, hey, Tyreek Hill, you know, what do you like compare your two quarterbacks? This was Tyreek Hill going, hey, I want to go on this podcast and talk about this. So if I'm Tyreek Hill and I actually have to answer this question truthfully, then I'm giving a non-answer, right? I'm like, oh, you know, Pat was the best. He's obviously the best quarterback in the NFL. I'm not sure if it's even fair to make this comparison because two is young, but I went to this team because I have faith in that young quarterback. You know, like you just give that kind of non-answer. But the, the thing here is that Tyreek Hill actually wanted to say this, which is crazy to me. And I guess if you're, if you're Tyreek Hill or if you have Tyreek Hill on your team, you know, which says a lot about you as a team to begin with, um, but I guess you want that irrational confidence. Um, so maybe he actually believes it. I could, you've got to believe it, I guess, to some degree, if they're going to be successful. I don't know. I think. Um, well, and I and I think like there, you know, some one of the reasons why you know like guys like me probably you know we're good play, you know, we're, we're not NFL players besides talent was uh, like the the amount of like suspended disbelief you need mm -hmm. to have to be a great player is probably higher than like the two of us possess, right? Mm -hmm. Like. Uh, the the ability to believe in something that's clearly not true is 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 maybe a cornerstone yeah, like, of like playing a game where you bang your head in uh, <laughs> voraciously uh, repeatedly. Yeah, like every single NBA player believes they're the best player in the league. Um, yeah, that's a good that's a good take. Okay, the Los Angeles Super Chargers. The thing that you like about them is what? Yeah, I think Bryce Callahan was a really good signing for them. Um, he earned about half a win as recently as 2020. He has missed a lot of time. Um, but you look at that defense and, you know, they kind of needed a guy who can play that nickel position really well. Mm -hmm. um, Derwin James is never a lock to play the whole season. Uh, the linebacker position, you know, is not great. Um, corner, I, I think that they've done, you know, Yeoman's work with J.C. Jackson and, and obviously uh, Asante Samuel Jr., um, but Callahan, I think, rounds out that defense really well. I think, I, I think their defense is going to be vastly improved, and I think he's an underrated reason why. There, he's he's been a player, a good player for a ton of defenses. He has, and it's a, it's certainly an underrated move amongst the moves that they've made, and the moves that they made. You know, J.C. Jackson obviously was the the biggest splash uh, to start off the the offseason for them, and then Khalil Mack pairing now with Joey Bosa. Um, so those are easy. Those are kind of easy ones, and I'm not going to choose Mac or JC Jackson. I like the fact that you picked, um, you know, bringing in a slot corner. You look at their corners. You have Asante Samuel Jr. You've got Khalil Mack. You've got JC Jackson. Uh, sorry, why did I mention Mack there? Uh, Bryce Callahan, JC Jackson. You have a really solid set of corners. And then, of course, Derwin James. Mr. Adderley, you have uh, back end as well. But here's what I'm going to call out something. And I, what I was trying to think about here is like, what do I like about the Chargers that makes me feel they can overcome the Chargerness? And what do I mean by Chargerness? Every person gets excited about the Chargers. Maybe it's the powder blues. Maybe it's the fact that like they used to be in San Diego and it sounds like a hipster thing to kind of like a football team from San Diego. Um, and everyone gets excited about this team. And then, you know, they just can't make it happen. And last year, last year was definitely a, you know, that happened again, right? They couldn't even beat the Raiders to make it into the playoffs. But if you're thinking through some of the reasons why that won't happen again, there, there are a couple for me. The first is Brandon Staley as a leader of this football team, making decisions that are going to either they're going to win or lose with, as opposed to letting the other team or the circumstances around them kind of dictate those things. I think that that would be the easy one. But I'm going to choose the fact that they have a top half of the league offensive line. And if you go to our offensive line rankings, which you can find on pff.com, by the way, you get for 25% off with promo code forecast right now, you'll see them at number 12. And that is... Um, that is huge for them. Like they have had a really bad offensive line for a while. Now that's not maybe the biggest reason that you have faith uh, in them. Obviously Justin Herbert is that you have Brandon Staley, you have that great defense, but 
it's a sign to me that the Chargers are changing a little bit. And so if you have hope for them overcoming, turning into the Chargers of old, this would be one of those reasons. Yeah, that I, the the Staley one's interesting. I did the um, the defensive play caller rankings, and I, I didn't feel like I could put him in there because like, I think that his defensive scheme is wonderful, but the players weren't there last year, right? And like, there's mm-hmm. an aspect of trying to run a scheme where you're playing players that can't fit into that scheme. And I, and I do think that that's a negative on the ledger for a for a coach, right? I think that that's a, a, a certainly a problem. Um, so, you know, now that they have the players in place, we'll see how, how good that ends up being. Um, there's also an aspect of like Raheem Morris taking over that same defense. And while like the Rams, from an efficiency standpoint, weren't nearly as good, def- weren't as good defensively last year, uh, as they were the season before, they lost John Johnson, they lost Troy Hill, um, you know, they they lost Sebastian Joseph Day for a, 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 se- a sequence of time, a guy that now is on the Chargers, and they still end up winning the Super Bowl when win, win the ANFC West. Um, so, like, I need to see it from Staley, um, but I, I'm cautiously optimistic. Interesting one here with Denver, and this is going to stretch out my uh, my name my naming here. Albert oh boy, Abuikuem has been great so far this offseason uh, without Noah Fant there. Um, he was a 97th percentile like speed guy out of mm-hmm. Missouri as a tight end. Albert O. Albert O. Is this the, other than, like, Jimmy Graham is like the only good tight end that Russell Wilson has ever played for or played with. Um, is, it, I mean, is this does this change things for you as far as Denver's concerned? Well, I think it's a, one of the, my favorite things about the Denver Broncos is that they, they, what they, sometimes it's not what you gained, it's what you lost. My favorite thing about the Denver Broncos is that they don't have Drew Locke or Noah Fant on their team anymore. <laughs> um, and this is, you know, one of the reasons that they certainly had faith in, in getting rid of Noah Fant was Albert O was actually better. And, um, you know, you look at the type of tight end that um, Russell Wilson has played with before. And I think Albert O, to your point, fits that nicely. And in this, and, and as I look at the Packers scheme coming in, I immediately think about that, you know, that Robert Tanyan season, <laughs> right? And similarly, a super athletic, you know, big guy who can get down the football field and make catches uh, as opposed to Noah Fant. Um, and uh, so I think, you know, if you're drafting, for example, in fantasy or something like that, you know, I, I'm kind of the, the person that either you get the elite tight end or you just, you know, wait. Um, this could be a guy that that breaks out and has one of those top seasons. I like that quite a bit. Um, their, their regular season win total is at 10. Over is minus 120. Under is plus 100. And I, I'm just, I mean, I guess my favorite thing, as I was going to say, is that they don't have, uh, they don't have Locke and Noah Fant. But I also love that they went and brought in a a head coach that has seen how it's seen, seen the way that it should be done um, over there in Green Bay. And yes, of course, he had Aaron Rodgers, but um, it wouldn't surprise me. It would not surprise me to see the Denver Broncos, um, you know, hit the ground running here uh, just because they've got a lot of pieces that you are looking for, as we've talked about with Russell Wilson. You know, you could look at Aaron Rodgers and go, oh, it took Aaron Rodgers a little while in that system. But I also look at Aaron Rodgers and Russell Wilson a little bit differently because I think Russell Wilson will come in and be eager to learn this new system given what he had in Seattle before, whereas there might have been a little kind of push and pull with, with Aaron Rodgers. We are we are getting uh, a little bit uh, of clarity in betonline.ag's uh, response here. They, oh. the. The, there was human error cited in the offering of the lines um, to which I said five. So you made a human error in a line that I bet into five times that uh, that you just never took down. Um, this this is this is getting quite interesting. I think the transcript of this interaction between me and uh, this person on Bet Online's front is going to be kind they of They woke up this morning. Some poor person in Antigua woke up this morning. Did not know they were going to get hit by a bus. Um, and they are. Uh, the Las Vegas Raiders are up next. A uh, lot of things to potentially like about the Raiders. Which one did you choose? 
Yeah, I, I thought the interesting one for me, and I know this isn't sort of underrated, but we did this NGS, you know, sort of like 40-yard dash time uh, equivalents based upon how fast you get off the, the football as a pass rusher. And last year, Max Crosby was the fastest person getting off the ball last year. So 4.60 was sort of the equivalent 40-yard uh, dash uh, per that metric. Um, he was actually three-tenths of – three one-hundredths of a second faster than the next – best player. And if you look at the other players, this is good company. Leonard Floyd, 4.63. Miles Garrett, 4.64. Von Miller, 4.64. TJ Watt, 4.64. And Rashawn Gary, 4.64. And Joey Bosa, 4.65. So, uh, uh, you know, Max Crosby was the most, like, explosive player getting off the ball last year among pass rushers, which is kind of cool. Yeah, that is really cool and speaks to what an incredible season he had, by the way. And now we'll yeah. be paired with with Chandler Jones. Um, we've talked about this before, but I'll mention it again. My my favorite thing, or the thing I like uh, about the Raiders, is that they are a really good team, but they're the worst team in their division. And so this is an opportunity to bet the uh, the leader in passing yards with Derek Carr and leader in receiving yards with Devontae Adams. And and basically my hypothesis here is that. These two guys are going to be on the same page. I'm not. Um, I'm not concerned about these guys figuring it out together. Derek Carr ten to one for most passing yards, and um, Devontae Adams is twelve to one most receiving yards. And I think there's one. Um, you know, this is not something that's underrated about this team, certainly. But last year, when Darren Waller, I mean Darren Waller was banged up all season. Like Hunter Renfro was the go-to guy on that team. Like you go and you line up against the Raiders, you're like, we got to stop Hunter Renfro. And you know what teams couldn't do? Stop Hunter Renfro. So, you know, as you think about this offense, I'm really excited about this offense. I think this offense could be really freaking good. Um, Derek Carr, in my opinion, has been kind of maligned and underrated as a a quarterback. He continuously grades well, uh, especially from a clean pocket. And now he's got two guys that just get open at all times, plus Darren Waller. I, I don't know. I, I just they're the. It makes too much sense. So I don't know. Somehow this is gonna, gonna collapse. But ten to one, Derek Carr to lead the league in passing yards, might be my favorite offseason bet right now. Um, and you know, Devontae Adams twelve to one most receiving yards. I think is um, is is exciting as well. Yeah, that. Yeah, that one's. That one's a good one. I mean, he's the uh, best receiver in the NFL, and he's you know the sixth uh, favorite there because people are worried he and he doesn't have Aaron Rodgers anymore. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I mean, they're gonna one, throw for a lot of yards because you know that team's not gonna be very good. Like, I, right? Like, uh, let's face facts. That team's not gonna be very good. There's six. There's plus six fifty to win the division. Um, I mean, they're yes, one hundred percent. And if he were going to a team. Okay, let me put it this way. If Devontae Adams were going to the Miami Dolphins, I could understand it, okay? Because you don't know if Tua can get the ball there. Derek Carr can get the ball there, and they played together in college. And, like, these guys are both super incentivized to be on the same page. They're both super hard workers. Like, I I don't know. I guess we'll see. Um, Before we get to our next division, a quick reminder that fantasy season is actually already here. And that's because best ball fantasy football is right now with underdog fantasy. The cool thing about best ball, you draft once and then every single week, the best highest scoring players on your team are the ones that count. You don't have to make any pickups. You don't have to decide who to start and who to sit. It's super easy and you can win a ton of cash. Best ball mania at underdog fantasy has $10 million in total cash prizes. And for all of our uh, members of the syndicate who are looking for some trends here, person that won last year, drafted in June. So just saying, go use promo code PFF at Underdog and your first deposit will be doubled up to $100 if you use that promo code PFF as well. Uh, If you use $10 using promo code PFF, you'll get a free PFF subscription. This is an incredible deal. So go download the app. It's a great app, works really well. Or go to underdogfantasy.com, use promo code PFF, Give yourself a chance at uh, millions of dollars and uh, have some fun. All right. We are going to the AFC East. And we're going to start with the Buffalo Bills. Eric, what do you like about the Buffalo Bills? 
Bills home games had the highest wind speed of any stadium in the league last year, both mm. average and median. Despite this, Josh Allen finished fifth in the NFL in war with 3.6 wins above replacement. So, I do think... So hold on. This is one of the coolest ones. I was reading your notes before this. This is my favorite one. Do we have to eat some crow? Because I can remember being on a podcast. I think it was during the pandemic. And we were like making fun of the the rationale for picking Josh Allen as, you know, he can throw he can throw through the wind. Uh, I think it was like with respect to Cleveland drafting him. Um, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, <laughs> it, I the think arm that, talent matters here. Yeah, arm talent matters. Could it also be an issue with, you know, we're not going to talk like, could it also be an issue with Watson because Watson kind of has a noodle, like not like a noodle noodle, but like a, Uh-oh. like he doesn't have like, I, I think the biggest knock on him coming out was that he didn't have the strongest arm. And obviously Cleveland is not a place, uh, you know, Cleveland might not be the best place for somebody who doesn't have the kind of rocket. Uh, that Josh Allen is. Mm-hmm. I I will say though, I mean, it doesn't mean necessarily. Uh, you know, like I said, I think Josh Allen's amazing. I'd put him as the second best quarterback in the NFL. That doesn't necessarily mean like he was like he had averaged six point eight yards per pass attempt last year. Like it still doesn't. Um, it, it still doesn't necessarily like work. You know, it, it, you know he did regress last year, and I think, but I I would say there are explanations for this, right? Like when you look at, you know, play, you know, the road games that he played had crowd crowds in them unlike the season before. Right. Mm-hmm. So you, you, your road games aren't nearly as conducive to success. And then your home games are in the, there's nine of them a, and there's a quagmire of like snow mm-hmm. and, 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 and wind speed. So when you look like his completion percentage went from 69% to 63% last year, his interceptions went from 10 to 15 his yards per attempt went from 7.9 to 6.8, so a full yard. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet, like, and his, and his QBR, you know, quarterback rating, like, again, that's not a great stat, but we all know the the, the range, went from 107.2 to 92.2. And so, like, again, like, I think he was great, and I think PFF grades and PFF war reflect that. But there was some regression in his statistics, and I think part of that is due to the fact that, like, there are conditions in Buffalo that aren't conducive, um, aren't conducive. He was the highest graded quarterback last year under pressure. Um, tenth from a clean pocket. Was also number one in positively graded throws. You know, there's there were some things that he does that are, you know, kind of spectacular. And he did those again last year. And so, you know, that regression that you talked about, you know, shows up in terms of, you know, he was 10th from a clean pocket, right? We know that's something that's that's sticky. And he tried, you know, he overcame that with a lot of incredible play, um, you know, it, whether under pressure or just making those incredible throws downfield. Um, I also will call out this. The, the guy's a, a mach- like a beast. So, you know, you think about these games where, yeah, the, the weather is inclement. The guy can also carry it 15 times and run over you. Now, I don't know that's the most sustainable way, uh, you know, to win football games. But here's the just to your point here. Remember, we all remember that game against the Patriots where, um, you know, it was like 70 degrees below zero and winds are 60 miles an hour and all that stuff. One of the things that I think... I um, it gets forgotten about that game. Go back and watch it. You don't you don't have to watch much of it to know what's going on. Josh Allen and his throws were unfazed by that weather. You know who was phased by that weather? The receivers. The receivers could not catch a, a ball. Josh Allen was tattooing them with it, and it was the receivers that couldn't figure it out. And yeah. Dawson Knox. Um, I think actually all the big receivers had had drops. Um, and, you know, that we think about that game as, oh, the Patriots established their will and all this stuff. Like, I was super impressed with Josh Allen in that game. Yeah. Here's my favorite thing about the Buffalo Bills. And, again, this is, you know, they brought in Von Miller. That's amazing. And you could talk about that. But my favorite thing is how deep their receiving core is. Gabriel Davis was 10th in PFF grade last year. In fact, he had a higher PFF grade than Stephon Diggs. Now, Am I saying Stephon Diggs is not as good of a receiver? No. 
my point here is that Gabriel Davis is awesome. <laughs> and their slot receiver this year is going to be Jameson Crowder, who has been mired with the New York Jets for a while. Did not have a good, did not grade well last year. I will go ahead and say that that might have been about the situation he was in, and then that will improve quite a bit. You have Dawson Knox at tight end. Oh, and by the way, they drafted a running back. And yes, I'm talking about the running back that they drafted, James Cook, who is an athletic guy that can catch the football. So what they're doing is really building a receiving core that is going to give Josh Allen options across the football field. And so you think about teams playing a ton of too high and all this different stuff. They have got players who should be able to make plays at each level, uh, you know, of depth down at the football field, and I think help mitigate any of those uh, issues that that defense will throw Josh Allen's way. I'm a big Gabriel Davis fan. Obviously, he went off uh, in the playoffs. Um, and on my Chiefs. That, but yeah, on your, on your Chiefs. But um, yeah, I think that should be really exciting and something that I love about, uh, about the Bills this year. Yeah, okay. For sure. The Miami Dolphins. Of Anaheim. Yes. Okay. Uh, with the Dolphins here. I Look, I'm a little, like, shook by this. I, I, I And, look, I think almost every experience, like, I've been limited on sports books before. I've had bets canceled. I've had bets canceled for, like, reasonable reasons, like, where – there was one time where Ben and I got like an, in an NBA prop, we got like a really bad number on a, on, I think it was like Bradley Beeler. I, I actually don't know. Like, I'm not even going to pretend to know the player, but like I bet over it. I bet over it like for the max and then they like cancel it and we called and like eventually they gave us like site credit and stuff. This is just like, they just like basically stonewalled me here, which I think is fucking hilarious. Like uh, imagine getting Uh-oh. minus one, getting plus 115 and and being like yeah human error and i'm like five times you produce a human error five times during the course of the game you just left it up but that, that and again that that just shows you like what you're up against when you're sports betting um you know like i said it's not that much money like, it's not going to affect my life but like it's you are not only laying 110 and in the case of live lines 115 at times but you are also dealing with the fact that if you fu- like if you fuck something up and, and like and and I and I, I actually message this person. I go, what if I like you know? What if I put in a number wrong where I added a zero to my bet? And they're like, well, we ask everybody to review their bets before they place them. I'm like, how about you review your live lines before you post them? And uh, that obviously wasn't well received. So uh, I'm let's, shocked by let's, that. Uh, let's move. Let's, let's transition nicely to the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, here. yeah. Let, let let that be a lesson to all of us uh, betters that like it, it is it is against you. It, it is. Uh, uh, it is stacked against you. Um, uh, Javal Holland was the ninth most valuable rookie in the NFL last year. Um, that is my Miami Dolphins take. I, I was a big fan. I'm a big fan of him. I think, you know, there was it, it was interesting. Um, I when the when the Chiefs were going to trade for Tyreek Hill, um, I I that. have on I uh, sorry trade Tyreek Hill. I had on good authority that there were only two players on the Dolphins who were untouchable. And they were Javon Holland and Jalen Waddle. Mm. So, uh, and and that's that's high praise for Holland. I, I think um, obviously Waddle's a top ten pick, but uh, that's high praise for for Holland. Yeah, Holland is freaking awesome. Um, and I, I love that you uh, that you talked about the defense there. One of the things that um, I picked something nice and underrated here from your article on defensive play callers. And, you know, much is made of the offensive moves that the Dolphins made, right? They go get Mike McDaniel, who comes over from San Francisco. They trade for Tyreek Hill. You know, they have all this faith in in Tua, obviously figuring it out at some point. But they, you know, have Teddy Bridgewater there as well. Like, you know, they brought in Raheem Mostert. Like, all these moves are super offensive-minded. And it could have been easy to say, look, I I really like – you know, Jalen Waddle, and I do, he's great. You love what Mike McDaniel might be able to bring to that. But their defense was was really good. And one of the reasons for that was Josh Boyer, um, who was retained by Mike McDaniel and was one of the reasons that, um, you know, they were able to win nine games last year. And you talk about Javon Holland, you talk about there's also Christian Wilkins there. Um, but you have him number five in uh, best defensive play callers. And 
that you know look do i think that brian flores got the absolute shaft yes 100 percent. but um retaining a guy like josh boyer having these talented players on defense it doesn't have to be for the dolphins that their offense turns into you know the chiefs of four years ago that doesn't have to or, or the niners or whatever that doesn't have to be the way that they win um in uh 2022 like there's a chance that their defense is really really good and that Tua is like meh and they like scrape their way to nine wins which by the way is their win total at nine we've talked about this a bunch under nine is now minus 125 um you know we we mentioned this uh, a couple weeks ago i think that we really liked the dolphins under nine wins again this is positivity and i think one of the reasons that you could say oh well how do they go over nine it's well yeah their offense might not be amazing because their quarterback's not great but their defense could be really good. And guess what? They can just snap the ball directly to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Raheem Mostert, and, and maybe they'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, the hard part is, is in this division, I guess the Jets are terrible, possibly. The Patriots offense might take a step back because we got Matt Patricia calling the plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but those were already table stakes. I mean, like, as every freaking Dolphins fan will tell you, Tua is 3-0 against the Patriots, um, which, by the way, will be a nice, like, fun footnote to what really happens. Um, that It's not predictive of anything, mm-hmm. but, like, good for him. Um, but, like, the Dolphins' records over the past two years are buoyed by the Jets and the Patriots being bad, right? Like, you know, as far as relative to, to usual. Um, so, so, do you... And so I, I don't know if I like I don't know if they can if they can defense their way out of this then. Yeah. Well let me ask you this, because we're gonna do the Patriots next, and this is how I want to tee this up. AFC East division odds right now, the Bills are prohibitive favorites. This is Chiefsian, minus two twenty five, Dolphins plus four fifty, Patriots five uh to one, Jets twenty two to one. Who should the Dolphins have better odds to win this division than the Patriots? Yes, but I uh, yeah. Yep. I think so. Really? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, it, the thing about this is, like, Mac Jones is undergoing, like, what we've seen happen from, like, a lot of first round. Like, a lot of rookie quarterbacks have a sophomore slump, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Herbert was really the only one, you know, where – and then that was because their their staff got fired, not because their staff got promoted. But, like, it's, like, a, a famous – you know, it's it's the classic, like – Rookie quarterback gets drafted, does well. Offensive coordinator guy gets praised for doing well. Offensive coordinator guy leaves. New offensive coordinator guy joins. And so not only do you have to deal with, like, the natural gravity of regression, but you also have to learn a new offense. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we saw it with, like, Baker Mayfield. Um, you know, the Freddie Kitchens thing was a little weird. I, I can't remember the entire list, but there there's a, a significant fraction of, like, those. Like, Sam Bradford was another one, I want to say. Um, you know, there's a lot of like young quarterbacks that come in and the offensive coordinator gets a ton of praise for having the guy be good, um, early and then they leave and then like things aren't as good, you know, like that, that's, I think an honest to God possibility for new England. Additionally, um, you know, what has new England done to patch up the things that they're weak at? Like their defense continues to lose players. Um, and, and obviously Belichick can continue to make that defense good, but they were great last year. And, until the playoffs. And then, you know, on offense, they lose Shaq Mason. Um, you know, the, the you know, on all, they get Devontae Parker, but, like, he's not really a number one receiver. The tight ends that they signed last year didn't really – like, you're, you're basically hoping on veteran players to improve, which is, like, a really hard, like, gamble to make. Yeah. With that said, what's your favorite thing about the Patriots? Mac Jones was the most valuable rookie player in the NFL last year. He was worth – $28.4 million on a cap hit of $2.83 million. That's a 10 to 1 return on surplus value. So that's pretty good, right? Like that's... Yeah, not bad. Um, that, that's a, you know, that, that, is, that is what we're talking about, right? That is what we're talking about when, you know, I write the article about, hey guys, the, the, you don't have to draft the next Joe Burrow to be amazing. You don't have to draft the next Josh Allen to be amazing. You can draft the next freaking Mac Jones or Jalen Hurts and you can get to the playoffs. You know, and you can get these humongous surplus values out of them because 2.8 wins above replacement is like, I'm trying to remember, like 13th, 14th, mm-hmm. 15th. Like, 
he's not it's not a top you know it's not a top like you know 10 value in the NFL but it's it's a it's certainly a top 10 uh, top 10 value per dollar spent um and, and that's I think the whole point and good on New England for you know letting you know taking taking a chance on Mac Jones good on New England for like it, it like I'll ask you a question you know about this George if Cam Newton earned 2.84 wins above replacement last year the Patriots what situation are the Patriots in right now well, it's interesting. The uh, if if Cam Newton had earned that many wins above replacement, I feel like just the narrative would be so different. You know, it's like um, you know, is Cam back? Like there'd be all this pomp and circumstance. And the way that Mac Jones' season went, I think there are a lot of questions, right? Because you look at you, know, you see this on PFF.com and our quarterback annual. You see his grades week by week, and like week ten onward. You know, you know, two to one in terms of games where he graded in the bottom third of the league versus where he graded in the actually it's more than that. He had only one game where he graded in the top ten or top half of the league, um, and and all these games that were really poor. And so because of that, there's like, it, not only is it the the um, you know the fact that uh, that he well sorry not only is it that he had that that total, you know, wins above replacement. But the way that it happened, I think, has people, you know, with more questions than than maybe you would generally. But I'll say this, if Cam Newton had that same season, I don't know that Cam survives that end of the season, to be to be perfectly honest. I think that okay. Mac Jones would have come in and and played for him. And the fact that Mac Jones had already beaten out Cam Newton, I think was a good thing because it gave him that opportunity to kind of hit that low. And that's actually my positive for this team going into this year is that Mac Jones has already hit uh, a low. He came out, he played really well, and then had a really tough end of the season. And I think that is mm-hmm. going to help him a lot. You look at some of the areas that are stable. He was 13th from a clean pocket last year. Um, he avoided negatively graded throws at the 11th best rate. And you're still not super excited about the receiving core. At least they have Devontae Parker now. Um, Jacoby Myers is the top 25 graded. We are the world, by the way. Is it, is it, is that, at least they have Javante Parker <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, Devontae it's not Parker pretty. Now. It's like, we are the world. It's not pretty. But it's it wasn't pretty last year either. So um, I think that the, the thing that would give me some hope there, and if I'm thinking through, like, how does Mac Jones overcome Matt Patricia calling offensive plays? Well, he had to deal with some pretty tough situations at the end of last season and not playing well. So maybe that's prepared him for um, the ear, the pencil in ear wizard coming and calling all his plays. I would be, I know we're supposed to be positive here. That when I read that, I was like, is this a joke? Like to me, this is, this is the ultimate, this is the ultimate bill sign of Bill Belichick's ego. He was like, you know how good of a coach I am? I'm going to replace Josh McDaniels with Matt Patricia and have him work with a sophomore quarterback with literally no one to throw to. And we're going to be good this year. Like if they're good this year, Bill Belichick, I mean, he's already obviously a Hall of Famer, greatest coach of all time. But like, does he buy himself another boat? You know, he has that boat with like the number of rings. I feel like he buys himself another yacht and calls it something like, you know, I overcame Patricia or like I revitalized Patricia or something like that. It's ridiculous. <laughs> the only, the only person who has a, uh, has a boat that says I, I, I overcame is, is Russell Wilson, right? Like that's, um, <laughs> a true the, overcomer. Um, <laughs> the New York jets, your New York jets. Uh, there 20... was nothing good about the jets last year, but I, I tried to find one. Yeah. Bryce Hall was the most valuable player on their team, uh, 0.38 WAR, and I guess like the the thing I could take from this is like he's not even a starter this year right now, like with with uh, with Reed Gardner and Michael Carter in the fold this year. Um, Bryce Hall um, is you know like so I, the the overall water level of the Jets roster has gone up. Like I think that that's unequivocal, uh, you know, to say so. I agree with you. Um, And they have done, you know, they have brought obviously a lot of talent onto this team. You got Garrett Wilson and Sauce Gardner. 
you know, both top uh, top ten picks. I think you're really excited about those guys, and you should be. Um, the the thing for me was uh, seeing Braxton Berrios and Zach Wilson working out together this offseason. Throw it up. Yeah. Um, it, now, why why is that the thing that I'm calling to positively? Well, Braxton Berrios is a guy that no one thought would really make it anywhere in the league. And, you know, it was good at Miami, but like whatever. Comes out and I don't have his grade right in front of me right now, but I think it was like 83 or something like that. His PFF grade. I'll find it here in just a second. Um, and, you know, by all accounts is a super hard worker, like a really freaking hard worker. And um, uh, Braxton Berrios, 74 PFF grade, sorry. Oh. Um and so seeing Zach Wilson getting work in with a guy like Braxton Berrios, who has only made it this far because he works his ass off, is something to be excited about. Because you've got to be a little worried about Zach Wilson. He did not look particularly wonderful last year. Um, I, you know, you don't see, you don't hear stories glowingly about, you know, not that I've heard ones to, to counter this, but like, you know, you want to hear that a guy that had a season like that puts in the work the following offseason. So I don't know if this is just, you know, Instagram telling you that they are or not, but it gives me some confidence and excitement that Zach Wilson comes out and um, and improves dramatically on on that season. I think the sub the the other thing to be excited about here uh, is that Braxton Barrios is actually pretty freaking good. Um, 35th of 115 in PFF grade among wide receivers. And then you, of course, add, you know, a guy like Garrett Wilson there. This is a, a receiving core that, that, that should be good um, and give Zach Wilson a chance. So 22 to 1 to win the division, I think that says it all. But um, taking a step forward for Zach Wilson, maybe a little bit higher, a little bit better odds. Yeah. Good boy. Yeah, I, I, I hopefully... Hopefully he's good. Um, I think that um, it'd be nice to see him. Um, you know, like there. The, Remember the, what the league the league could really use another just like absolutely rocket arm quarterback with some with some moxie. You know. And, yeah, uh, they could. I don't know that that's going to be uh, Zach Wilson. The good old good old Zach Wilson, but yeah. he has a rocket arm. Uh, I'll give him that. Go, yeah, I'll go with I'll go with uh, Trevor Lawrence being that guy after this season. Yeah, the yep. Uh, the the interns are going to come out with the um, perfectly uh, covered plays article. I think Monday, which will be which will be wonderful. Um, I think uh, you know Will, uh, Lawrence's ability to sort of mitigate the the downfall on those plays uh, was a good sign last year. In a year where man, there weren't weren't a lot of good signs for him. So um, I, I'm I'm excited to see him play. I think Doug Peterson. You know, there's always a question about whether or not. Um, you know, he's, he's still got it, but he certainly, you know, ushered in a good era of football for Carson Wentz uh, and uh, for a brief period of time. Yeah, it should be noted. Doug Peterson should have a boat that says, I want a Super Bowl with Nick Foles and Carson Wentz. If he doesn't already, uh, go get that one made. All right, that was our podcast. Uh, thank you for hanging out. Um, I'm not going to mention the Formula One bets because I, I am that's where I'm going right after this. So we'll talk about it on Wednesday. Um, kind of a, a weird one to figure out the Canadian Grand Prix and then we'll find out the results of Eric's battle battle with the sports book thank you guys for hanging out we'll see you on Wednesday